Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Pete. G'day, everyone. It is episode 145, and it is the 13th of February, birthday mm. week for me. Uh, we have a loaded show for you this week. Yep. Uh, we're talking to Andrew Bolt, News Limited columnist slash dad of one of the hosts, you be the judge. Uh, we're going to be talking to him because his article on climate change and the bushfires and Scott Morrison went viral this week. So we want to talk to him about that because yep. he seems to have equally pissed off the left and the right with yep. the article, which is always you know a pretty interesting place to be. Uh, and we've also got to be talking to him about that amazing interview uh, with Eddie McGuire, yeah, which we want course. to talk about. Uh, we've got the quiz as well. We've got uh, Gideon going for five in a row. We've got Dara McDonald doing her first quiz. Bunch of other stuff we're going to be talking about. Pete, anything you're looking forward to in the show? Always like it when Big Dad Bolt turns up. <laughs> You've been calling that all week. <laughs> It has never not been uncomfortable. I just wanted to trigger Bolt with that. No, look, and and I should <laughs> and all of our listeners. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just and also we should mention at the top of the show, unprecedented in a young IPA podcast history, we have the third uh what we, what oh, we call like, it? Uh, an unprecedented joint villain. Oh, there we go. Three I, villains. Well, I was gonna say don't give it away, but we did. So <laughs> uh let's now just own that energy yeah. and just know that it's been given away. Hang around. Now, uh the thing that Everyone is talking about at the moment is the High Court decision yep. uh, on, well, who's, who's setting this one up? I can set it up. Peter, set it up. Okay, so on Tuesday, the High Court hand, handed down a decision that stated that non-citizens who had descended from Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders did not fall within the scope of the Commonwealth's power to make laws with regards to aliens. Now, what has happened is two men of Indigenous descent who were not born in Australia, born in Australia, uh, sorry, New Zealand and Papua New Guinea, both were assaulted, uh, were convicted of assault, occasioning bodily harm, and had their visas cancelled as a result. So, you know, people who aren't Australians can get deported for crimes. Now, the High Court has said that non-Australians who have Aboriginal background can't be deported, and these guys have Aboriginal background, therefore they can't be deported. It was pretty close. It was four to three in terms of judges. So a split decision, I think they call that in boxing. Uh, now, But with a winner. But with a winner, But yeah. with a winner. Uh, so it's just retrial. So our man Morgan Begg, who will be the preeminent conservative legal scholar in this uh, in this country one day. If not already. Watch out, Jim Allen and Augusto Zimmerman. There's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> uh, said it was the most radical instance of judicial activism in Australian history. Yeah. Uh, now, this might be a little cringeworthy, but I'm going to read you out another quote from another esteemed writer. Uh, or orator, if you will. We don't mind cringe. We don't mind cringe, we love but cringe. all right. So I have a dream that four little children oh, okay, will yeah. one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of the character. Yep. Now the word "judged" is literally in there. Mm. We don't want people being judged by race, but this is a high court going like, you know what? Why don't we do that? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a bit weird for me. Oh no, exactly right. It certainly um, erodes equality before the law. Yeah. Uh, and I reckon, I reckon the left is pretty schizophrenic on this. So in one, in one sense, it's like, you know, immigrants can come to Australia, everyone can be Australian, you know, being Australian is an outlook, it's not like in your blood, mm. and, you know, immigrants who come to this country are Australian, and I tend to share that belief as well. Yeah. That's not just the left who thinks that, but the left definitely think that, but then with this, they're saying there's a certain sort of category of Australians that have um, Australianness bestowed on them because of blood. Yeah, for which sure. Which is like... That's weird. a really good point. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely not about this one. And like, it, it's one of those ones where 
the High Court are basically saying Indigenous Australians and you know people that aren't Indigenous Australians have different legal rights. Mm. And you know who else thinks that Indigenous Australians and different Australians should have different legal rights? Yep. White supremacists. Exactly right. And I don't want to be on the side of white supremacists yep. by any means. So I am not in favour of this. Mm. No, exactly right. And it's, it's one of those things, it's not going to affect a million people or anything like that. Like it's very few people that are, you know, involved in this, but it does set a precedent. Yeah. And we know how that works, James. For sure. All right. Uh, I want to move on to another story. And this one also makes me sad about the state of the world. So bear with us. We've got a few happy ones coming up. We do have a few happy ones coming up, but bear with us. So a few years ago when mandatory data retention and metadata became things that we talked about in the political sphere, uh, we were all a bit worried. And understandably yep. so, because you might remember that amazing David Spears interview, uh, no, uh, uh, George Brandis interview, maybe with David Spears, where it was abundantly clear that George Brandis had no idea what metadata was, yeah. despite the fact he's about to be in charge of what Australian metadata is captured. Hmm. Should have been terrifying. But the one thing that we were assured of, Peter, the one thing the government <laughs> could tell us is that uh, the, leg- the metadata legislation explicitly ruled out forcing telecommunications companies to hold web browsing histories of its users as part of the regime. Hmm. Now, what do you reckon's happened this week? I couldn't possibly guess, James. Well, Pete, let me tell you. Uh, So, the Commonwealth Ombudsman, Michael Manthorpe, he's in front of the Parliamentary Committee. They're talking about mandatory data. And he says that some telecommunications companies are providing web browsing histories to law enforcement when sent a request for metadata by the agencies. So, (laughs) like... You know, you can say they don't have to, but they are. These metadata com- like these communications companies, your phone companies are handing over to the government your search history. Now, we'll give every uh, person out there five seconds to um, freak out. Think about what you've Googled. Okay, we're back in. So now that everyone's freaked out enough, but this is like pretty terrifying in that you know, we're always told, oh, it's just this little thing and it's only going to affect the criminals and you don't have, if you have nothing to worry about, uh, sorry, if you have nothing to hide, you've got nothing to worry about. Mm. You sure you don't have anything to hide? Now, maybe you're not a criminal, but okay, so telecommunications companies and people that work at the government and, you know, the police themselves, they have access to all these data. Mm. Do you trust everyone that works there? Oh, exactly right. Do you trust everyone that like, maybe a hacker can get into the system? Do you trust any of those systems to withhold hackers' knowledge of who you are and what you've searched? I think that's a really key point, actually. Because like when the NSA story broke in America, that the the NSA was spying on Americans, the one thing that that really with my friends when I was talking about and they were saying, oh, you know, well, I've got nothing to hide. Why do I care? NSA agents were just looking up their ex-girlfriends to figure out who they were seeing. Yeah. Like this is the this is why you should be concerned. It's not whether or not you committed a crime. It's just whether or not anyone can access it because they slipped the right guy a hundred bucks and said, "Hey, mate, I just want to check this out." That's right. That's right. But it's not just the government who who have access to this as well. We the biggest threat to one of the biggest threats to security today is our cyber security. Right. So there's hackers from criminal groups and there's hackers from foreign governments that can access our cyber, our digital stuff. And so this, the people in favour of this will say, well, you know, the government's securing us and, you know, they're doing it for our security. They're actually creating a security risk by keeping all this data. Mm. And, and, and hackers can get into it and hackers get into it all the time. And you might think, well, you know, URLs, who cares? It's just websites that you've Googled and stuff like that. There is a million reasons why you might not want people, obviously there's the humorous ones, yes. but there's a million, million serious reasons why you might not want people to know what you've been Googling. And also read URLs every now and then. They're quite revealing of what's in the article. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Exactly right. So that's the that's the key thing for me. It's not just about, you know, maybe the government might misuse this. The government's actually creating a security problem. Yeah, fair enough. All right, this. let's move on to fun things, unless you've got anything more you want to say about it. Just that there's been a few things like this, and we may, we, maybe we should be keeping a closer eye on it, James. We should. We should be talking more about this stuff. Uh, all right, so let's round up the Oscars. So uh, go. I've got five things I want to talk about. We'll just run through them. Mm. All right. I've got zero things I want to talk I actually, about. Actually, I've so. got six, and this is like uh, submitted without notice, but I will always remember these Oscars paid as the Oscars where Martin Scorsese fell asleep halfway through an Eminem conference, uh, really? Eminem performance, because I don't know why Eminem was performing a whole a room full of millionaires nodding along to Eminem in tuxedos yeah. is hilarious, and then Martin Scorsese asleep, really fantastic, drunk or I uh, just didn't care for it. It wasn't the Rolling Stones. How He's old? not in favour. How old is he? Uh, old. He's okay. enough old. Uh, to just do that. All right. So let's talk about it. So the number one thing people are talking about this morning with the Oscars, well, maybe not number one thing, but certainly doing the rounds, low ratings. Um, <laughs> 23.6 million viewers, which is down from 29.5 million last year. That's a big drop. Uh, it's a big drop. I just think less people watch TV in general. I'm not sold on people tuning out because it's woke. Yeah, I wouldn't. Don't know. Yeah. Probably. I mean, six million. That seems like a big drop in it, one year. That yes. means in four years, no one ever, no one watches TV. <laughs> Terrifying. So, uh, all right. So, what else we have? We something's had, at play. We had Natalie Portman had all female directors that were snubbed from uh, an award embroidered on her gown. There you go. Which was a bit cringeworthy, but uh, it happened. Now, I read a read a Panahi piece today. Yep. I don't want to steal your thunder with this. Yeah, I think you're about to, but keep going. <laughs> Who said? Steal away. Natalie Portman has only ever worked with one male. What, what female? It? One female. Yeah, her production companies on you ever worked with one female director. In her career? Yep. And do you know who that is? No. It's Natalie Portman. Oh, I, I must have stopped reading just at that point. <laughs> you stopped reading at the punchline. I finished lunch. I'm like, it's okay. Natalie Portman. Thanks, Peter. I'll use that in the podcast. Okay. We also, Joaquin uh, well, Phoenix last week was my villain for how cringeworthy yeah. his acceptance speeches were getting. This one was also bad. Apparently milk is bad now. I think we got the clip. Yeah. And then we take her milk that's intended for a calf. And we put it in our coffee and our cereal. Oh, I mean, I look, <laughs> it only took about a minute and a half. You know, we're keeping the stage that. to stage, you're just bracing yourself. And then insemination of a cow, like if that was on your bingo board for things that Joaquin Phoenix was going to say in his acceptance speech, give yourself the tick because he yeah. did say that. Talking about taking milk from babies, uh, uh, milk from cows. Wild acceptance speech. Mm. Now, I also want to point out this. Now, Joaquin talked about how the, the dangers of egocentrism and you know, not doing enough to be a part of the universe. Great message. He didn't thank a single person in his speech, which is a little bit egocentric if you ask me. What was his message again? Uh, it, it was all over the shop, but yeah. that particular one was uh, we keep drinking on milk, we inseminate cows, uh, we take the calf away when she's just a baby and then we take the cow's milk away when the baby's crying out for milk. What's the egocentrism thing? He just said everyone's egocentric. You need to be part of the universe. Okay. Got it. <laughs> I just didn't quite catch it. Okay, there we go. Uh, what else we got here? So Julia Reichardt, uh, who was the director of the Netflix documentary American Factory, which won Best Documentary, called for workers of the world to unite. We got the clip. We believe that things will get better when workers of the world unite. Now, my feel is that documentary makers should have a bit more of an understanding of history, but uh, that's just me. <laughs> I, I don't mind that because at least it's old left. Yes. At least that's they, like, they were old for yeah. people listening. It's not like workers are racist and I hate them. Yeah. So okay. they should unite and improve their wages, even though it's obviously wrong. Yeah, fair enough. All right. So, so that's, I don't hate, don't, that's you know, a good point. Uh, and then the last one, which I think uh, you know, really speaks to my heart, it's how I always say, apart from the Eminem concert, I'll remember this, Bong Joon-ho is an energy. 
Uh, this yeah, is the okay. guy that directed Parasite. He went uh, four Oscar wins over the night. He absolutely blitzed it. And uh, he likes drinking. Uh, he just <laughs> loves drinking. So a bunch of his cool. acceptance speech referenced how much he was going to be drinking tonight. This was my personal favorite of the references. Thank you. And yeah, I'm ready, ready to drink tonight. So. So, look at him. Look at that little okay, smile. Nice He's happy. Thank He's a happy you. boy. Now, my favourite part of that is that the rest of the speech was translated by someone else. Yeah. Uh, he, was spe- he would speak in Korean and he would reference all these things and then someone would translate. That was in English. Yeah. That is the international language of froth. That is like, I want everyone to know. I don't, <laughs> want, the, I don't want the translator to get this you know, lost in translation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to switch to English. All right, uh, it was enough. very uh, warning after the 2015 World Cup. Uh, kept asking yeah, just, the, very, uh, <laughs> very good those, reference everyone knows about that so. alright sweet uh, let's uh, go to the interview with Andrew Bolt okay we now welcome on to the show recurring guest good friend of the show yep. uh, Andrew Bolt welcome back recurring like a, a burp or something yeah like yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps what reappearing despite the fact <laughs> we keep trying to push it away no yeah. that's good you're a good friend of the show and we want to talk well, we to do you because I come on your show, and the deal is you yep. come on mine. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's how it works. Scratch, scratch. I didn't realise it was like that. I just thought that you know you were doing us a favour. Oh. So this <laughs> no, is, this, this is, is all about me. This is all about increasing my cloud. This okay. is just <laughs> flies towards my spider web, and then I'll use him to get ahead. It's uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, nepotism is a wonderful thing. Pete. Yeah, I know. I know. It is. Right. It's not too bad. So first off, Pete, you've been across me on Dad Show. You've across Dad on this show. Who's yeah. interrupted who more when they're trying to frame <laughs> it's a, an interview? It's a really good context. It's like is, I couldn't possibly say. This is a reversal of fortune. No, but it's, mate, that's what fathers do. Yes, that's my job. Fathers <laughs> interrupt. That's <laughs> how it works. I've got a full page. To questions. We've heard it all before. I've had three words into it. <laughs> We've been going We're for a, a full minute. We're going for a minute. All right. So let's a bit of decorum. Yeah. Uh, now, your article last week in the Herald Sun talking about climate change and talking about uh, your advice to Scott Morrison and the bushfires caused a hell of a stir. And we want to talk about the reaction that it got. But I guess, first off, in case people might have missed the article, what was your pitch? Well, my pitch was quite simple it was to bait a hook. Say a few things at the top of the uh, of the article that global warming believers chant as a mantra without actually knowing where the debate is. You know that skeptics can actually say the same thing and they don't know it. So there's a false dichotomy, and that was like you know I admit the world has warmed over the last hundred years, and I admit man's emissions might have something to do with it. And suddenly, all you know, people like Eddie McGuire and David Pemberthy, uh, journalists and commentators, and crikey, were going, Bolt has changed his tune, not (laughs) knowing, you know, that almost every skeptic says, Yes, the world has warmed over the last hundred years slightly. Man's emissions may have something to do with it, or maybe, probably not much, you know. Yeah, Uh you know, (laughs) the fact that. So many people thought that I was doing a backflip shows how ignorant they are about global warming. And I just wish that I'd baited that hook a little bit more and also said, I believe in global warming, which is the new mantra, you know. I believe in global warming, which apparently to warming believers means not I believe in global warming, but I believe in global warming, but this is really, really different and man's complete – oh, sorry, I believe in climate change. I believe in climate change, 
but this is really, really different and man's all to blame and it's going to be catastrophic and we can do something about it and we should ruin ourselves while doing it. Like, that's what they really mean. When I say, you know, climate change is real or global warming is real, well, yes, there's been a slight warming over 100 years. Is man to blame? Maybe some small element. Is it bad? Nah, on the whole, it seems not bad. And should we do something about it? Well, the pain is probably not worth the gain. So you're saying Greta Thunberg hasn't got to you because I did say that on Twitter. Yeah, I saw Greta Thunberg. Well, they, they were saying James Murdoch got to me because yeah. he's uh, – I was going to say something rude, but I better not. <laughs> James Murdoch is – yeah. We're not recording. So the there's Rupert Murdoch, two sons. <laughs> the one, you know, Lachlan – is yeah. running the uh, company. There's uh, James is still on a board, and he said, wrote, you know, put something in the papers the other day, or, or gave us that gave a quote. Uh, you know, people in News Limited in Australia <laughs> <laughs> are sceptics, and this is terrible, and we're embarrassed and all that. And thinking, wow, how often does someone on the board of a company trash their own product and employees publicly? You know, if uh, an employee did that, they'd be sacked anyway. So I'm supposed to have changed my tune. Mm-hmm. Rubbish. I think it speaks to something else. I think it's like bigger than global warming. It's just the whole everyone only reads the headline uh, these days. Like yeah. no one ever clicks through to read a full article. I'd be surprised if I like know. the people that booked you into Eddie McGuire's show probably hit the perils no, on the paywall and just made a guess of where the headline was going. <laughs> well, I thought it was very <laughs> funny because the producer rang me and said, um, Eddie would love to talk to you on his show uh, about your change of mind. And I was about to correct him and yeah. I thought, no, this Let, will be fine. Let's fun. see yeah. where this goes. Yes, let's I'll come see on. where this goes. <laughs> and I think that's exactly right. But, but I think there's actually two points here and that is one is, yes, Eddie, like most journalists, probably read the first couple of paragraphs and then read to the end, if that. You know, end where I said, listen, I've said all this before. Listen, this is what I really mean, um, blah, blah, give the game away. I th- that's part of it. But the other thing is what I started off in a long-winded way of saying – I don't think many people in the media who preach the global warming doctrine actually know anything about what the debate is and what the science is. I don't think they mean it at all. It's like like that you know mantra, I believe in climate change. It's absolutely meaningless. So do I. Climate changes. Up, down, up, down. Climate always changes. Yes, I believe in climate change. It's one of those meaningless things. It's like saying, I believe in the world. Yeah, and, uh, you know. Uh, Here's a cookie. You know, what's the next bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, that's what I think the, d- the debate is actually dumb and it's on slogans and it's like a catechism. You know, I believe in the, uh, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's yeah. all it is. And you don't know, yeah, and what's the rest, you yeah. know? Uh, I, so with that, it's just, to me, it's also like if your solution, if you are concerned about climate change and your solution doesn't involve nuclear energy, then you're kidding yourself. Because I think so. I think like, you're right. Every, every, if it's not involved nuclear energy, if you're going for renewables or we just need to get rid of coal... You're just jerking our train. Yeah, and, and it's just the idea of, like, uh, I at that point it doesn't become about climate change anymore because I think the reason people don't want nuclear, and maybe it is because of fear of Chernobyl or Fukushima, but I think it's more if we go to nuclear, it's just a different level of billionaires at the top of society and I don't think they want that. But if it's renewable and if it's government-owned and it's uh, this thing that no one can profit from then it's more of a societal change than it is about... Well, I'm not sure because uh, obviously green billionaires are profiting enormously. Yeah, but they don't count because they're green. Yeah, well, that's probably true. I think it's actually worse than that. I think it really is 
this is what we've seen since the French Enlightenment, Rousseau and all that. This is really, you know, let's get back to nature. It's that uh, revolt against progress and development and all that. That's what it really is. They want a de-industrialising of society. They want this bizarre idea of, you know, get really poor, live in a little hut, you know, eat roots and leaves and be at harmony with nature and the Garden of Eden. Yeah. That's what they want. They want to go back to the Garden of Eden. So that's that's what it's really about. And any technological solution like nuclear goes right against that. But I think you're right. What I find really interesting here is we actually have, um, with that particular debate, a conflict of where we had one religious spasm, totally anti-scientific about nuclear power, colliding with the next one, or next one but a couple, uh, global warming, where the same sets of ignorance and mass panic collide with the others so that the solution to the this problem can't be embraced because of the hype about the first. Now, you mentioned Chernobyl. The known death toll at Chernobyl was fewer than 100 people. Yet that is seen, you know, the extrapolations have been extraordinary. You know, a quarter of a million dead, the Australian Conservation Foundation, you know. Peter Garrett, the former environment minister. So all that hype. You mentioned Fukushima. Not a single known death from nuclear radiation. Not a single known health consequence from nuclear radiation. That is from an older plant that was hit first by a massive earthquake, then by a tsunami. Yeah. Everything thrown That happens it. all the time in rural SA. So if we are going to build a nuclear power plant, we do need to worry about the earthquake and tsunamis. That I don't hit rural sim SA. Almost simultaneously. It's just, and that on a, you know, an area with fault lines, Australia doesn't have that. It's just extraordinary the height built against a couple, you know, that. I mean, we've seen people like Helen Caldicott on, uh, in the media saying, well, we've got to cancel the Japanese uh, Olympics, uh, obviously. You know, not a single person has died. You, know, you probably get... <laughs> Run over by a car in downtown Tokyo. That's a far bigger chance, you know. It's so extraordinary. So you've got the hype there where Australia won't even contemplate nuclear, which is why we're now getting, getting dud subs instead, and get, won't contemplate the solution to global warming, which is, if you really believe in it, I mean, I don't think it make much, makes much difference, can't go to nuclear power. You'll have emissions-free, baseload power, to, and, and relatively cheap, to power our economy. What's the problem here? Now, you mentioned briefly your interview with Eddie McGuire. That made quite a <laughs> splash. My friends, a couple of them messaged me about it who are not political or if they are political or left wing. Oh, Talk right. us through that. I heard a rumour that you and Eddie McGuire actually got on usually. Is that correct? No, no, no. That's Look, not correct. Eddie likes to... Eddie likes likes to I'll tell you where I got that rumour from. <laughs> John Roscombe. Oh, oh, tell me that. Where'd you get that from? John Roscombe, Executive Director of the IPA. Am I going to contradict John Roskin? I'll never contradict. Yes, we uh, house on fire. He's been to my place. I've been his. No, that's not yeah. true. Yeah, uh, look, we're always civil to each other when we talk yeah, in okay. public, but which has been about like twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and the most recent one was not as civil as usual. I think we actually have an exit. That's from right, it. we do. My point mm. is this: is that, and this, you might say that I'm I'm left of of extreme right. I'm probably more in the centre. No, you're so. not left of extreme right. You're left of left. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have thought so. 
Jeez. Oh, look, Eddie, you, you support Labor, okay? No, I don't. That's, that, is, that is completely untrue, Labor. Andrew. Don't bother. You just said you people get put in boxes. You're well, trying you to told put me, me I'm the right of Attila the Hun. So well, I'll I, I, I tell you what, in the court of law, I reckon I'd win that argument. But anyway, oh, no. stick with it. Stick well, with it, kind of Andrew. Well, yeah, that didn't go terribly well for one of us. That so when did you know that was going off the rails? At what point in the interview were like, this is... I knew before I went on air. Yeah, fair enough. I mean... When, as you know, I was going to say Jimmy, but I'm not allowed to say that. Well, as you know, it. James. <laughs> still said it. <laughs> Says it every interview, yeah. which I love. I think it adds something. I think the last time I was on the boat report, you actually said, all right, Jimmy. Like the first thing you said, I was like, all right. We're, we're Don't Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy. Um, as you know, yeah, I've been in the that's wars. That's our social media excerpts, Dave, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to edit that bit out? Okay. That's right. a gift. Now we're going to use it. 40 years. Well, no, in Colorado. What if, how long have I done it? 20? 25 years? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. 20, 25 years um, I've been in the wars, as you know. And I, I know I better protect myself. I, I rehearse what's going to come now. And so not much surprises me, even an attack in the street. No longer surprises me. I rehearsed that, you know. <laughs> yeah, you paid them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I rehearsed that so if quickly. you do that, you get a yeah. punch in the head. Um, but with this, like, I knew it was coming and... So I knew it was going to go off the rails the minute they asked me to on the show. Um, the the key was how it was going to make it, how it was going to play it, <laughs> whether it was going to be nice. Uh, but Eddie started off aggressive, so he got back exactly what I'd rehearsed. Yeah, exactly. The ride of Attila the Hun was the... The ride of Attila the Hun. Look, so Eddie says... Sorry, people right of, oh, yeah, there we go. Right of Attila the Hun. Have you played that? Uh, yes, <laughs> we have now. Yeah. Because we haven't just already, to let you now. know the clues, he told me he was running. You've seen the clip. We didn't know. I didn't know what clip he was going to run. I didn't hear it because it's done in post production. How about that? <laughs> it's real people on the curtain. For yeah. This yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, people yeah. behind the shoddy. And if I stand curtain. up when I do the it's show it. on Sky, you will see I'm wearing jeans underneath the. Okay, the but in fair enough, <laughs> I wasn't told the questions from the last time I was on the Bolt Report until about three minutes before we went to work. I'd actually sent them to you, but no, you maybe to a wrong address. I think to a wrong address. Mm. I was like, what are we talking so about? Just by contemplating. I'm going on the Bolt Report. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's true, and you did very well. Uh, Attila the Hun, so the Attila the Hun bit. I can't, don't get this. To the right of Attila the Hun, I am not, I've, as I said, I've worked a couple of times for Labour. and uh, that's So just did Attila rubbish. the Hun. But Attila the Hun, years. what are Attila the Hun's politics? Has anyone actually figured them out? As far as I could tell, when it came to immigration, big on immigration. borders, huge on immigration, yeah, okay. very bad on national borders. Didn't like empires. Let them all in, or in his case, let us all in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. It was big. On, well, that's to the right. What was it? I don't understand what is. He was very big on multiculturalism. He big said, on, you yep. can have your culture, but I'm coming in with mine. Hey, I will rule all over. Other, uh, I will rule over plenty of cultures. That's his idea. Plenty yeah. of culture. economics, laissez-faire. Laissez-faire, absolutely. There's no regulation. As far as I understand, Pete, he was a communist, wasn't he? Like, uh, what's yours is mine. Yeah, that's right. Collective ownership. Collective ownership. So maybe you, you did it right to each according to his uh, needs. I need your money. I think uh, Tiller the Hun was probably uh, a raging lefty. Anyway, I think the point of it is... And he was very good on mass slaughter. We know that's a What a policy, <laughs> which political party supports that? <laughs> Communist, <laughs> Communism, Communism party. Right, Nazis, far left. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so 
I think the lesson from this is read the full article before you bring it. Read the full article on your show and know who Attila the Hun was. And know who Attila the Hun was. They're yeah. the two keys to make it in the Absolutely. As a history is dead, I'm afraid. Uh, Eddie, learn your history. Well, I've, got, right. a, I've got a third takeout from that. What? Because I didn't realise that Eddie – I knew Eddie was Labor, but I didn't think he'd be so lefty on energy stuff. I reckon he spent too much time in Turak because no, because he's originally from Broadie, right? No yeah, one from yeah. Broadie would – think those stupid things about electricity so do you think it's time for eddie to move back to Brody to get his head around <laughs> back to Brody? i like that idea i like the idea of maybe putting the abc back to Brody. Yeah, that could work and too. in sydney where would you put it liverpool yeah get yeah. in touch with the mob yeah you know i i agree you sort of go with the flow you stick it where everyone thinks the same and you think the rest of the australia doesn't exist i mean like with the abc they did that little expedition earlier this year. It's not the first time they've done it. Yeah. You know, where we'll take the staff out to, out, you know, to suburban Australia. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. Except they picked Bankstown, which is like as representative Australia. So I don't know, you know. Anyway, so they go in expeditions with their pith helmets and their backpacks and their tents to go and see average Australians. Why don't they stick the whole headquarters there and they don't need to do that? There they you can go. see it every day on their way to work. Yeah. Put it in Toowoomba. Original Australia. Oh, I love that. a long way to go for interviews and stuff. And then you save on the real estate. You know, you can sell the real estate in inner Sydney, in inner, yeah. inner Melbourne. Yep. I mean, inner Melbourne, right outside the, right next to the city square in Melbourne. Mm. Good money. They could sell that. Go and get, uh, you know, next housing commission property, maybe in Dandenong. Yep. You know, save a lot of money. Go and see the real Australia. And maybe they wouldn't be so out of touch. But... Um, <laughs> Dad working Eddie. from the uh, definitely economic perspective of doing this. That's, that's what What's attracts wrong with that? to it. Save, save the public and mozza. I, I think like the economic side is just like sort of uh, heightened because it's more cultural. It's like, oh, we'll save money, but that's well, not both. Really the reason. Well, both. Well, save taxpayers' money is not bad, but I, I agree. I mean, if you had to catch the train out to Dandy or to uh, Liverpool every day as an ABC staffer, you might be a little bit more in touch with what the public's talking For about. Sure. And you might go these whole trips out to <laughs> Liverpool, the whole trip, you know, da-dum, 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 to Dandenong, and you listen to the people around you, you probably figure not one of them is talking global warming. I've never not had my headphones on in a train. So <laughs> I think they'll or still remain dinner. in their bubble. Or at dinner at <laughs> home. No. Uh, right, I want to switch things up here. So we just had the New Hampshire primaries yesterday. Yep. Now... Do you see any of the Democrats being able to beat Trump? Is there a single person in the, out there? Uh, not yet, but I didn't call Trump's victory last time. So, you know, you can now fast forward through the rest. But don't forget these contests of momentum of their own where someone that you thought two weeks ago you didn't think Buttigieg was going anywhere. Now suddenly it's the you know one of the two front runs of Bernie Sanders. Yeah, so. and then Klobuchar pulls twenty percent out of nowhere. Exactly right. And as they go, they get attention. People look at how they're handling the heat. Uh, they introduce themselves. Suddenly they look credible. Then you start listening, and suddenly you've got a viable candidate. They happen to Bill Clinton out of nowhere, right? Uh, but then through the process, it's a long process. They gain some credibility. So the elections are still nine months away. Trump's Popularity is still not great. It's not great. It's so you've got to acknowledge that he won by a whisker last time, really. So you can't take anything for granted. And if the economy tanks over the next nine months, or he makes some stuff up, and who knows? Yes, of course, someone can beat him. So we don't know. 
at this stage, I'd rather be him than the Democrats. For sure. I, I don't see anyone at the moment. And I don't think, like, Mayor Bloomberg's the guy that's coming over the hills to save no. him. I don't think he's got it. Like, look, Bernie Sanders, right, uh, who's the front runner right now. Is America really ready to elect a socialist? Seriously? You know, with all the plans it has got and with the economies going as it is, that's a pretty easy pitch for Trump. And something know? that's on the back burner, he's like six months apart from a heart attack. Mm. Well, people don't notice that until they drop dead of that heart attack on the debate stage. You know? <laughs> I don't think that quite. <laughs> I, I just think that in. might come back. Where you're just like, how healthy is this guy? Well, that might be. Um, Does Trump have a nickname for him? Not Crazy Bernie. Crazy Bernie. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think he'll refine that. Yeah. It's that, interesting. That you know, it's interesting. You think about it, Pete. Like a year ago, not even a year ago. Say six months ago, mm -hmm. people were really talking. The pundits were really talking. The big threats are Biden. And Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Okay. Trump got his gun, and he went metaphorically. For metaphorically. Biden. Yeah. I'm so you know, dragged him into, and the Democrats helped him. I mean, the hatred of the Democrats kills them. You know, they call that um, this this whole they pulled this whole impeachment stunt where yeah. the answer was, well, look, the reason they said, oh, how, how can you pressure Ukraine into doing a, an investigation of Joe Biden? Well, the reason is, have you seen what him and his son were up to in Ukraine? So Biden's gone. Yeah, yeah. So Biden got rid of his sinking. And then as for Elizabeth Warren, he made her the butt of his, you know, she's a fake... Pocahontas. Pocahontas. She's yeah. a Pocahontas, the fake uh, American Indian. And, of course, her credibility is absolutely rubbish. How can you elect a president for years, decades, pretended she was uh, an American Indian yeah. and got preferment uh, out of that? I mean, it's just the disgrace. So mm. she's out too. I don't think he's actually begun to fight Sanders yet. Yeah. So we shall see. Yeah, mm. I don't reckon that nickname has the same cut through as the other ones. I think it's going to work on that. I agree with you. So you might have to. I actually have a question for Pete without notice. Uh, so Mayor, like, we're talking notice. about Mayor Pete Buttigieg as someone that might be viable. Buttigieg. Buttigieg. No one knows Buttigieg. how to pronounce it. Even Americans. Uh, I was bad. listening today to some of the American broadcasters. Three or four variants on it. Yeah, all right. Well, Buttigieg. That's why he called himself Mayor Pete. Mayor I think Pete. everyone can Pete. handle well, that. That brings me to my point. Is yeah. America ready for a Pete to be at the top office? What does a Pete bring into the role? Have there been any Pete? <laughs> they must have had a Peter at some point. I don't think there's been a Pete. The it, problem is there's a Peter principle. Everyone thinks of that, don't they? What's that? The Peter principle. People for the ethical treatment of animals? Is that no, oh. no. The Peter principle oh. is uh, where you, uh, you, you promote someone beyond the level of their uh, expertise. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> about right. Named, named after this Pete. Named after this Pete. They must have, must have said a picture So what of can a Pete bring to the top position? No, I'm sorry about that. What? That's all right. That's it's not an Andrew principle <laughs> yet, but you can invent one to get back. At yeah, me. well, I can. I can. I'll think about it. Yeah, look, I mean, look, we all know, apart from that, that <laughs> Peter is the rock that God built his church on. Yep. So oh, that's a I am the one. rock of the IPA. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mayor Pete is the rock of America. There we go. I like Maybe. that. That's good. That sings. Uh, I've got another you question. It's not just, is America ready on Sanders you know, to elect a socialist? When it comes to Mayor Pete, the, the real question is, is America ready to, I guess, hire a guy of no experience who's gay? And I'm not sure that America... But then we didn't think America was ready to elect a president who was black, so... I, and also, America but, no, elected a president who's a TV uh, game show host. <laughs> like, I, I, I think America's ready what for precedents? anything. What Any, are precedents anymore? Like, you want to believe in the American dream, literally anyone can be president, including television game show hosts. 
I've got another precedent for you. Is America ready to elect a president whose name they can't pronounce? Uh, let me run it back. <laughs> Lincoln, that was pretty Lincoln's easy. Pretty Trump easy. is easy. Gerald Ford's pretty easy. Ford is dead easy. <laughs> Nixon They're all pretty is easy. Yeah, Nixon. All right, I'm going to have to Reagan was through. a little trouble. You know, Reagan, yeah. Reagan. William Polk, that's just a weird name. Yeah. Jackson. I've never, I've never heard of them. Uh, this is like 18 Jefferson. This has gone right back. I'm impressed. Yeah. All these guys are pretty easy. And along comes a guy whose name is Booger. What is that guy? Mayor Pete. <laughs> that was a 90s breakdown right there. Will this guy be the first president whose name no one song. can pronounce? We will see. All right. Uh, now, Pete, you've got something you want to end the show with. Yes, that's right. Now, look, I've worked with James for a while now and we've done the show. We're almost up to 150 episodes. I've noticed a few people. That's sound three years old. Yeah. This podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's sound three years old. I think uh, it's a great show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, I've noticed a few personality traits about James and I thought you as his dad might know where they came from. Quite up and this down. Is, this is ominous. This is ominous. Now, we are very good friends, Pete and I. We shouldn't preface that up the top. I think you should have made that clear <laughs> yeah. a bit before the show started. It was quite funny. I sent him the questions and I had a couple of characteristics and he actually added a couple <laughs> of negative characteristics I might want to ask about. So that's telling as it is. Anyway, very up and down. You know, this is the best show of all time. This is the worst show of all time. I'm the greatest man in the world. I am human pond scum. Where'd that come from? Half of that, the bit, this is the worst show in the world. Oh my God, what have I done? That's from me. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. The best bit, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm red hot. That's from his mother. <laughs> oh, so mum's True positive. or not? Yeah, I go through, I go through the motions. Let's put it that way. Okay. I'll, I'll ride the energy of what I thought of a show was for like a week. Ask his mother how good he is. Okay. So she'll, she'll give, and, and so you're like, you're like James, no. You've got a lot of work to do. No, I don't criticize. I don't think his show is bad. I think my when I go oh, when okay, I you, perform badly, yep. I'm harder on myself than anyone. And us, James, absolutely. All right. yeah. I would enough. say I'm the same. Well, that, that's pretty hey, Yeah. Well, yeah. I think you're too negative on sometimes, um, and I think it's great that your mother has added the optimism balance. Mm. But really, sometimes there's a middle ground between that and that. Yeah, once I find it, that'll be a great day. <laughs> once I find it, I'll yeah. join you if in If you that. can tell me where it is. <laughs> the first one to locate it has to tell the other one. I'm That's the worst unpacked. person to ask for guidance, as you know. <laughs> All right, quite opinionated. Where'd that come from? I wonder. Uh, look, in part, it's because we're both paid to be opinionated, as are you. Okay. And yeah. if you weren't paid to be opinionated, and nor I, we'd probably have half the opinions that we'd normally have. Really? Well, because you are. We're asked, what's your opinion on a particular topic... You hadn't even read it in the papers, so yeah, you quickly true. read it, you form an opinion. Normally you wouldn't do that, would you? That's true. I, exactly. I have a habit of like I, read a st- like I read a headline and I'll just be like, I don't care about this. But then you read the article and you're like, hang on. Wait a minute. I think what, what maybe is inherited, I've got three kids. Two of them look Dutch, him and his uh, brother. One looks more like their mother from the you know, Irish sort of, Bit. This is a kind of multiculturalism. But she's the only one who's the got these, the Dutch vibe going. He doesn't. And yet there's a word in Dutch that speaks to what you're saying. It's not about opinionate. It's called eigenwijs, which literally translated means own just way. Your own way. Pig-headed is another way of yeah. putting it. You will not be told to think this when you think that and you know you're that right. That rings a bit true, doesn't affect. <laughs> I may have experienced that over the, over the time. Yeah, let's suspect uh, you're a bit the same, aren't you? Uh, you will maybe. not go with the crowd. Sometimes. Just because it's the crowd. 
sometimes I find myself disagreeing with someone because someone told me I couldn't do it or something. And then I'm like, well, hang on. See, this <laughs> I can, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> hey, am I allowed to have another go at Eddie or are we? Uh, yeah, 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 please? yeah. We've gone like heaps over, but that's all right. <laughs> oh, you can cut the boring bits. Yeah. Eddie McGuire, right? I think uh, Eddie McGuire done extremely well, extremely well. Tries to, and go back to the first question, which I never got to answer because I distracted myself. Um, I think we Eddie got to McGuire. about two of the 15 questions yes. we had prepared. <laughs> Eddie McGuire, very successful. Yep. Actually tries to hide and you find few traces his labour sympathies. Yep. I think it's bloody obvious, but, you know. So he gets really upset when you think you've you found him. You know. How could you tell that I'm a labour supporter? You know. Um, the thing is... I think Eddie's more a go-with-the-flow kind of guy mm -hmm. and that's why he's totally unprepared with an argument about global warming. He just heard someone say it and he goes with it. Well, that was and I think that's that? different from the way perhaps I operate, which is like this, <laughs> is, I didn't notice. <laughs> this, is, the way, this is the way I see it and if you're going to tell me James Murdoch says I shouldn't think it or you know, Greta Thunberg says you're wrong, what, that's going to change my mind, someone else's opinion? Mm. No. Give me a fact and I might, but not an opinion. Yeah, well, but Eddie's whole argument was who cares if it's right? Business is doing it anyway. That was his thing. Well, what, so I suddenly got to change yeah. the facts because people have given in. No. There you go. Eddie McGuire would go with the that's flow why character. That's mm. one of the first to be put up against the wall and shut come the revolution. <laughs> and that's as good a place to end it as anywhere. So, Andrew, thank you very much for coming back on the show. Uh, you got to come on mine. Yes. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, thank you to Andrew Bolt. Always fun talking to him. Yep. Uh, let's go through some heroes and villains. I probably should have signed first of that at the start of the show, but here we are. We're now at the heroes and villains section. Yep. Adjust your expectations accordingly. Pete, the grunt the, fre grunt the pig, freedom snort of the week. Oi. There he is. Saul's back behind the desk, and that means uh, unannounced impromptu snorts will be peppering the rest of the segment. But... Uh, Pete, who is your hero of the week this week? Well, my hero of the week, James, we get cynical about social media users in the world, you know, in, on this show and in the wider world. We get cynical, cynical about it. This is one of the better things. This is one of the great things about social media is it's been used by people in countries that are authoritarian to fight for freedom. My hero this week is Chinese social media users. After the death of Li Wenliang, a doctor who was censored for trying to alert citizens about the coronavirus, so he died recently. There were three viral hashtags uh, on Weibo, which is a China, the Chinese social media platform. The hashtags were the Wuhan government owes Li Wenliang an apology, I want freedom of speech, and we want freedom of speech. Now, as I said, we always talk about people being so brave on social media in the West, blah, blah, blah. But this actually is brave because I've got no doubt that, you know, there is a possibility that uh, these people can be tracked down by the authorities in China and punished for speaking out. So uh, there were millions of comments, hashtags and uh, other statements and things like that that were completely wiped from social media. And for that, we whinge about China a lot, but we should point out the fact that the biggest victims of the CCP are the Chinese people and Chinese social media users are my hero this week. Yeah. Uh, what I like about this story is, so like, as you say, that we want free speech hashtag goes viral. Mm. Then that topic then gets shut down by the censors and it's replaced by we demand free speech. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, all right, you're going to shut us down. We're going to come harder. We don't yeah. want it anymore. We demand it. The I other like part of it is like, 
And you're talking about the Chinese censorship. Now, yeah. for me, like, uh, coronavirus, I've upgraded my levels to somewhat concerned about global pandemic. What was it previously? Uh, not very concerned, but it's now somewhat. Mm. Uh, but undoubtedly for me, the scariest part of this whole thing are those videos of the Chinese, like, tanks just going through the streets, just spraying mm. disinfectant everywhere yeah. and then, like, dragging people out of houses and into cars or dragging people into houses. That's scary stuff. And for Chinese citizens to be going, like, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. That's some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it is. It is. Good, All right. good on them. Uh, now, my hero this week, slightly less, uh, you know, probably worthy, but it's still good. We celebrate freedom everywhere around the world, That's right. regardless of who's coming from. But it is uh, pubs and clubs across New South Wales slash the Berejiklian government. Now, this is going on from the phasing out of the lockout laws. Now, 30 venues across New South Wales have this week been granted uh, – ability to grant the freedom i guess to provide a greater range of live entertainment with some pubs permitted to play live music for the first time in decades mm. so the fall of like the entire state from like the entire state being the town from footloose is falling that is a reference i hoped you would get i Absolutely don't think it did not do not get in any way so this is the thing because i got my pop culture references that you don't get so i'm like i need to date it and yeah. then like still nothing <laughs> i'll get there as long as the people out there know what you mean yeah i need fine. to research 2004 ashes and then i'll be able to figure this out mm. but uh five, but yeah. 2005 uh Whoms could forget. Now, uh, this is important because Melbourne stopped Liam Gallagher playing halfway through Supersonic. Yeah, and we are, we are really at risk of losing to New South Wales in freedom. That's right. And I like to tease them about that, but they're getting a little bit better. I didn't realise that this rule had been around since the late 80s yep. in certain places. And it like specifically said in the legislation that the rock and roll wasn't allowed to be played. So that's quite funny. But it's good that it's back. And maybe we are... In trouble. Yeah, so that's why I wanted to make them my hero of the week is mm. the really fire a warning shot of Victorians yep. that we need to start really getting serious about this stuff. Well, this is good. I mean, this is like how I told the people of Australia to rise up against alcohol tax last week. Yeah. We're starting to get a little and bit shouty and de <laughs> demanding people do things. Yeah, we're becoming the people we rally against. Yeah, exactly right. But no, rock and roll Gladys. That's right. what I call her. Yeah, sweet. Uh, Pete, do you want to cross it to these villains? Because God help me if I have to introduce this nudie run clip. Well, this was James's idea and it, it was, was a really good one. It's never my one, idea. The best Please one he's ever had. Please do not put this idea on me. The, the, the villain of the week is named after Extinction Rebellion for having a fake nudie run uh, as part of their protest in October in Melbourne to uh, protest against the earth ending or whatever. Saul, roll the tape, please. As Extinction Rebellion protests enter their sixth day. That is the not the nudie trying run. trying to pressure the Australian government to take... Okay, cool. They have besmirched Nudie Runs. Now, James, <laughs> hit us with your villain. Nudie Runs besmirched themselves long ago. All right, my villain this week is uh, Hillsborough County in Hillsborough County in Florida, who and specifically the police about it. Uh, but they can rest easy because Hillsborough County, Florida, their police have arrested 118 people for the terrible crime bait. The mm. 118 people. You think this is a crime syndicate? This is people that need to be taken down. This is end of day stuff for performing unlicensed contracting work as part of uh, a sting known as Operation House Hunters. That so is. what these police would do is they would use a home, they would ask uh, they would ask these contractors to come in, these unlicensed contractors to come in, might maybe paint, maybe do electrical work, maybe do yeah. scaffolding, and then the second they agreed to do it, they'd be placed them under arrest for... Uh, you know, unlicensed contracting work. Yeah. Because you need a license to do all these things. Now, like, you know, electricians, okay, maybe, but painting? Yeah. You sure about rubbish. that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, this is, it got carried out between March and December last year. The arrest got announced yesterday. But this is a whole thing in that 
Okay, so who are unlicensed contractors? Now, the, you know, I don't want to sweep and generalise, but a lot of them can be criminals that have come out of prison mm. or new immigrants to a country that are just trying to find a put, foothold in society. Now, are these really the two classes of people we want to be throwing the book of law at yep. and we don't want to be helping them get the thing? Like, we can talk about, uh, you know, high minimum wage as well and the licensing... Uh, sorry, the... Uh, what am I thinking about? The haircut? Uh, licensing. That's licensing laws. Yeah, so, licensing. Uh, so occupational hey, licensing. Yeah. So this is the kind of stuff that stops people getting even the first step into society after yeah. immigrating or after getting out of prison. And when you keep doing stuff like this, don't be surprised if there's more crime. That's exactly right. Because how else are you going to earn a buck? That's right. And, and also gain the self-worth that we know comes with the yes. dignity of work. Now, James, I loved your story. You told about this, about shutting down a socialist mate of yours with this issue. Oh, shutting down. down. Well, it's just like, yeah, you point out this story, you get some, yeah. So if you want to talk about this with left-wing friends, this is how you do it. So you bring this up, you talk about how terrible it is that the police are throwing the book at people that definitely don't deserve to be having the book thrown out because, you know, all they're doing is painting a house Mm. uh, and they're providing a service at a fee that someone else says is acceptable for the risk of it not being good. Mm. So, you know, everyone should be winning here, but the police are throwing a book. You bring this up and then you just go... Get them rolled up about the idea that it's, life is so unfair for new immigrants and for low-skilled laborers and for uh, returning felons, and then yeah. you just say, "So why should the minimum wage be as high as it is?" Mic drop. Mic drop. All right. Froth drop. Froth. <laughs> froth drop. Don't froth. Don't drop your froths. Uh, all right, Pete. Now, uh, who is your villain of the week? My villain of the week, James, is a real surprise. It's the Guardian. The Guardian newspaper. So now this one's a couple of weeks old. Late January, the Guardian took the brave stand, very unlike them, of foregoing advertising from oil and gas companies because I'm sure the likes of Chevron, uh, Gazprom and the National Iranian Oil. Exxon Valdez, they were big. They have the Guardian as a core component of their marketing strategy. You know, we've got to appeal to these hackney hipsters. Yeah. So obviously a brave stand. Now, Rebecca Weiser, I'm copying a lot of this stuff off Rebecca Weiser, who had a great piece in the specy about this. She made a few good points, which I want to share with you listeners now, she said regular readers of The Guardian would note that Guardian journalists like to point out that airline CO2 emissions account for 2.5% of global emissions, uh, are rising 70% faster than predicted. So you'd think The Guardian ban would also include a ban on advertising for flights and holidays and things like that. Not true in a recent Guardian uh, edition. There was an insider's guide to Kampala, which is the most Guardian thing you could possibly imagine. So they're still going on with that. They're still going on with uh, car ads. How to find the best chai tea in Singapore. Yeah. That would be my most Guardian thing. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, Guardian, Singapore's a long way from, uh, from England. But look, let's park that. And, I'm um, just saying, oh, Guardian Australia. It's like Guardian in general. Like, I'm just trying to figure out what's, what's, what's their most Guardian story. Yep. Uh, so I'll let you keep going with that. <laughs> I'm going to keep thinking about these. So the Guardian is full of car The ads. best sushi you can find in San Francisco. Also Very good. Guardian. Also good. <laughs> let's, let's save these for now. Uh, the Guardian is full of car ads, which we know are destroying the planet. Uh, electric car ads, which we know need a power grid to run on. And that power grid in the, Australia and the UK is powered by fossil fuels. Uh, as the CEO explained, stopping these ads that I was just talking about would be a severe financial blow and might force us to make significant cuts to the Guardian and observer journalism around the world. Now, the Guardian's climate policy calls for halving emissions by 2030, which would obviously reduce employment. So they're happy for other people to be unemployed, but when it comes to them making a bit of a sacrifice, well, we might have to actually make some job cuts. (laughs) What are you talking about? Unbelievable. All right. Uh, now, we also have the mm. unprecedented George villain, which Pete uh, did at the start of the show. Mm. Boris Johnson gets it. Pete, do you want to set this up? You I know better set this up because I forgot uh, to make notes for it. 
that was not a, <laughs> that was not trying to embarrass you. That was <laughs> all right. There we go. Uh, now, Boris Johnson. Uh, people might be a bit suspicious about him. Sure, he delivered Brexit, but what else is his policies? Uh, and those people that were suspicious about him. Definitely get the biscuits this week because Boris Johnson has brought forward from 2040 to 25, uh, 2035 a ban on selling new petrol, diesel or hybrid cars in the UK. Uh, he, he says this will be too late if we want to achieve our target of zero emitting virtually zero carbon by 2050. So five years earlier is the ban on petrol f- cars because who trusts the market to come up with a viable alternative to the petrol car anyway? Mm. Well, I mean, this is exactly, you know, we can't, you can't get excited about politicians. They yeah. do something great like Brexit and that was literally like three days ago <laughs> and now it's like, and electric cars for everyone. Yes. It's like Boris. What did the election teach you? Is there anything politicians love doing more than making promises on policies they won't be in parliament for? Yeah, I mean, look, that's the other aspect of this. It's obviously like, never yeah, going to happen. Yeah, just like I will – I'm so happy to announce that this will be someone else's election yeah. crushing defeat. Yeah. Not mine. It's like the whole election. I get the retweets, you get the lost votes in the north. Yeah, exactly right. right so uh, he's obviously not learned his lesson. Absolutely not. All right, uh, that is it for Heroes and Villains. And yeah. now we off to the quiz. Okay, we got another round of the Young IPA quiz, and this is going to be a big one. Because if last week we set a record with Gideon Rosner going for four in a row, this week going for five, yep, yep. this could be huge. He's so starting to feel look, uh, you know, everybody's got something they're meant to achieve in their lifetime, and I think this is mine being the yep. uh, Young IPA quiz champion. So, uh, yeah, I'm going for a Robert Menzies style record. Well, there we go. Right. So, we're already comparing ourselves to Robert Menzies. It's a good start to the quiz. Yeah. We also. Have Dara McDonald here for her first quiz. Dara, welcome to the show. Thank you. There we go. <laughs> All right. A little bit about Dara. What's what's your job here at the IPA, Dara? I'm a research fellow. Um, yep. I'm working with Morgan Bag doing legal rights Ooh, that's and tough. That's yeah. particularly religious freedom at the moment. Um, yeah, so that's that's mainly my project. Well, there we the go. So yeah. yeah, stick around on the IPA website and see Dara's work. And Peter Gregory, as always. Good to be here, folks. <laughs> roof, roof. Let's do it. Come on. It's yeah, time. It's roof. time. All right. So, Dara, it is your first quiz. If you are new to it, you get one point on for correct answers, one point off for incorrect answers. Yep. There is a five, four, three, two, one. Who am I yep. at the end? Yep. And your buzzer is going to be your first name. So, let's just hear it. Dara. Can do that. Pete. Roof, roof. And Gideon. Gideon. All right. We're very... <laughs> So quiet. It's That's the quietest quiet. I've ever heard Gideon yeah. speak. <laughs> I don't usually so like to talk about myself. So, so just <laughs> not in line with how he actually yeah. uh, talks on the quiz. Now, quiz, uh, question one. Let's get into Here it. Here we go. It was the Oscars this week. Oh. Now, Bong Joon-ho. Bong Joon-ho, Pete's already in trouble. <laughs> Bong Joon-ho, the director of Parasite, became the first individual to win four Oscars in a single night Ooh. since who? <sighs> don't know. I just know that he likes to booze all night. He does like to booze all night. Really he? Oh. He's a froth king. Oh, he here. He gave, we've already done this on the show, but uh, I think two of his acceptance speeches referenced how much he was going to be drinking and celebrating. <laughs> oh, I'll bet he is. I bet he's back in Seoul right now uh, no, with 10 empty bottles of soju. I reckon and, uh, he's still somewhere in Los Angeles and he has absolutely probably. no idea where he is. Awesome. Now, is there anyone who want to have a guess no. at who it was? Not to. Dara's thinking about it? No, but I not. Can't think Ultimately, of no. Walt Disney. Just wow. to give you an idea of how long it's really? been since wow. someone won four individual Oscars on a single night. Never heard wow. of him. <laughs> okay, uh, that does not surprise me. All right, so question two. Which of these was not nominated for Best Picture this year? Ford vs. Ferrari, The Irishman, The Lighthouse, or Little Women? Little Women. That is incorrect. Oh. Little Women oh. was nominated. So one to be fair to Dara, she didn't use her buzzer, so she's exempt, oh, yeah. I think. Yeah, it wasn't, it's like a Simon uh, Says rule. Yeah. Well, okay. no, no, it's a Dara. No, yeah. that is a point off the Dara. All right, yeah. does anyone want to make another guess? No. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have a guess. Roof, roof. You know, I like to live on the edge. What were, um, what were they? Okay, no, the, the, the Lighthouse. The Lighthouse was yeah. not nominated. So one Rexy point boy? for Peter Gregory. 
<laughs> or, or Rexy Boy. It's Rexy now let him know. Nice he likes to be told. All right. Uh, and last Oscars question, because we are struggling with these. So this is the last Oscars question. Good. Who was the last Australian to win an Oscar for acting? Roof, oh. roof, roof, roof. Heath Ledger. Incorrect. Oh, I'll turn it up, mate. <laughs> I, I can't. It's incorrect. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. No. Crocodile Dundee. Uh, I'm not going to register oh, that. Where to begin with that one? <laughs> 20 years old, not the name of an actor. Anyway, right. I don't know. Does anyone want to make a guess? Pop, pop culture is not my forte. I don't no, think it was. No, Dara. Yeah. All right, so it's Kate Blanchett for oh, yeah. Blue Jasmine in 2013. Go on, Kate. All right. Uh, Blanchett. Let's move back to politics, Here we which go. I think is everyone's uh, more stable ground. Now, closest to the pin. Yeah. In Andrew Bushnell's new report on criminal justice, available at ipa.org.au. For free. For free. <laughs> Correct. Good point. <laughs> Damn paywall. Some reports out. you have to pay for. It's rubbish. Closest to the van. In Andrew Bushnell's new report on criminal justice, over the last decade, how much has incarceration increased? Well, that is a oh, very good Dara, question. Dara, 30%? You're not going to get closer than that. Trust me. That oh, is bang Gideon. on correct. 29%. No, it's still 30. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So... Quick score check. I think it's all tied up on zero. So anyone wants to win from here. Uh, now, another closest to the mark from the same report. How much do Austra- how much do prisons cost Australians annually? Dara. Oh. Uh, four billion. That is correct again. Dara. Dara. Great for report. Now, Dara knows about the IPA. Yeah. will be absolutely stoked to realise that Dara just reads every word of his report. <laughs> yeah, or at least edits it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's the uh-huh. oh, Here we go. <laughs> the smoking gun. All right. There we go. Now, my answer as I've written it to this next question is just TBA. So I'm glad I actually know the answer yeah. <laughs> regardless. Who won the New Hampshire Democratic primary? Uh, it was Bernie Sanders. That was yes. correct. And thank you, Tara, for the, <laughs> the co-sign of that one. Yeah. Bertie Sanders. <laughs> all right, you're all correct. Uh, but only Gideon gets the point. Now, another one. Who won Iowa? Gideon. Gideon. Bernie Sanders. Incorrect. Oh. Bernie Judge. Dara. Oh, Bernie Judge. Yes. <laughs> all right, Dara is off to a uh, yeah. dominant oh, two. Here. I'm in trouble. Gideon, New zero. New kid on the Pete, block. How zero. you doing? All right. And Dara, two. Regime change is easy uh, no, this is a good angle away okay, from your right, right. face. All right, sorry. Two more questions before we get into the who am I. Now, who's Restaurant Empire? Gideon. Oh. George Colombaris. Oh, that, was, that, was, that was smooth. The servers were just a bit small. You know, the same, same price as a normal server, but they were too small. Is that the problem? Mm. You don't yeah, pay for the server, you pay for the ambience, for the experience. I don't, I don't you, think he was paying anyone. You, you fill a stone? I was paying for the server, but yeah. yeah I'm glad was, someone was paying. That's uh, my criticism. All right, so for two hours this week, what was the AFL contemplating its name oh. being changed uh, to? Dara. Dara. As A-F-L-M. Correct. Dara Boom. is on. What are you supposed to stand for? Men. But didn't they hear it was 2020? Gender is a social construct. Oh, oh, there we go. Dara. shade from Dara. There we go. So it's AFLW, Gideon. Yeah, I get that. Oh, okay. So you can't. Okay, right. So it has to. Have it, four letters. Well, yeah, sure. I, I look forward to starting the AFL Pangender Unit and so on and so, on and so forth. You had video. I, 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 I identify as pa- I'm everything and nothing, baby. I'm, I'm here, there, I'm everywhere. <laughs> okay, okay right, next question. All right, so Gideon started full forward for the Pangender AFL. All right. yeah. Now, uh, we're getting into the who am I. So, quick score check Dara's on three, Gideon's on one, Peter on zero. Ooh, uh, five points. I was born 456 years ago. This Saturday, meaning I share a birthday with your boy James Bolton. <laughs> with your boy, 20, the people's boy, people's boy James, James Bolton. Twenty twenty minus four fifty. That'll be. I can't do that. No. Dara's good with numbers. No, is she? <laughs> she knew four billion. So what's what's two thousand? <laughs> thing. How, how many how many research fellows does it take to do a simple maths question? Let's see, two thousand four fifty. Oh, okay. So he's old, this bloke. Yeah, very oh, old. Look, old lady. He's probably not alive anymore. I would say. I'm going to guess. Oh, you uh, never know. Yeah. 
Alive in All Our Hearts. William Shakespeare. Incorrect, Peter. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm still in it, though. I worked out the maths. Did you? If I get four, I'll be equal with whoever's three. There we go. All right. Now, I was born, I four know. points. I was born in Pisa, Italy. Oh, well, you didn't tell me that, did you? <laughs> no, no, no. Shakespeare. <laughs> Oh. We don't know a whole lot about Shakespeare. Okay, roof, roof. Roof, roof. Michelangelo. Uh, incorrect. See, so he, he's definitely Italian though, isn't he? he yes, he is. Okay. Okay. So, so don't sound like a moron. Point on, back on for Pete. On, on international radio. <laughs> Maybe. Mm. Anyway, I'm out of the contest now, so. Go for a break. Keep, go, keep guessing. <laughs> um, Who else would have been? If you get there, da Vinci, you, yeah, you yeah, take da everyone down with you. Yeah. Not Da Vinci either. Oh. Point off for Pete. Minus three. <laughs> See how low I can go. <laughs> Let's go to minus 20. Have you guys got anything? I have a suspicion, but I'm, I'm playing strategically. Playing oh. very strategically. Oh, I can't oh, there we go. I might ruin it. Oh. If, he, if he's got an idea, I can't yeah. just guess people. Oh, you can. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not, just... All right. For three points, a battle of the Catholic Church constantly through my Gideon. life. Gideon. Galileo. Galileo is oh, correct. Galileo. I knew he was one of them. I knew he was one of those philosophers. <laughs> Who are them? Who are them? People. Yeah. Well, those, Scientists. They right. the same to you, don't they, Pete? <laughs> well... Gideon has gone right. five in a row. He's fifth it at the end. Darius totally uh, finished on three. Gideon has finished on four. Gideon remains a champion. Was close. Uh, that was close. close. I thought Dara had close. it. Yeah. I thought Dara had it. Maybe a re maybe a, uh, a another round. Yeah, I'm down. I'm All down. right. Sweet. Sorry. Thank Just you very much. No questions about anything. Dara's edited. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That was that was. <laughs> you and I will collude. Darren and I will collude. We need to bring down Gideon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Through any means necessary. All right, like Bernie uh, Sanders, just trying to stop me. But I'll, I'll, see, I'll sit in that seat next time so I can see the Oh, oh, I'm not going to lie When you got 30% that quickly I was like Can she see the scores yeah. <laughs> Alright anyway We've got more show for you guys After this Cool Okay Gideon continues His unprecedented World ending Five in a row win Now so. five in a row Yeah uh, So someone's going to bring that man down I And I'm looking you Pete I expect a better from Dara to I honest. expect a better from you To be honest Like you know We're, we're a very close team We've got to tell each other When we're down yeah. So hoping for better from you. Well, uh, maybe you should give me the questions before we record. Then we I'll should, know. Yeah, well, I can't do that. That'd be obvious cheating. Uh, now, uh, Joe Biden yeah. has had a bad day. Your mate, Joe this Biden. Is my, this is my one. All right, so Joe Biden, uh, he's had a very bad day at the New Hampshire primaries. He polled below 10%, Ooh. which is incredible to think about considering he, how much of a front runner he was already. Uh, is that unexpected? That is, like, he should be dominating. He is, like, fourth in this one. I think he came fourth or fifth in Iowa. He's already in the next place trying to figure out. Like, he gave his speech about New Hampshire from South Carolina because he's like, I am getting the hell out of this state. Really? I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to South Carolina. I so things he, are looking very bad for the Joe Biden campaign. I thought he was the Clinton's man. He was a Clinton's man, and he's no longer anyone's man. He is literally below 10%. Uh, shame. Yeah, so, and who would have thought that his whole campaign would be on life support with moments like this? I was a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lion dog fist pony soldier. You said you were. That is Joe Biden, Democratic candidate, going for the nominee, going for the presidency, calling a voter, what is it? A dog faced pony horse? Or? Lying dog faced. Pony thing. <laughs> Lying, but something. Play the clip again. I want to figure out what he yeah, said. Yeah, play it again. I was a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You said you lying dog-faced pony soldier. Now yeah. I've heard a lot of words in my in my lifetime, and those words and a lot of combinations of things. <laughs> I've never heard lying dog-faced pony soldier. Well, I get it all until pony soldier. Like, what is a pony soldier? I have no idea. But uh, I would vote for that. You would? Yep. Yeah, no malarkey. No malarkey. The guy That's a famous. In. 
what, the core, Mr. Cobb or whatever his name was? Uh, yeah, Corn Pop, the yeah, Corn gangster Pop. that he took on. Mr. Cobb. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Cobb. Uh, now, um, I would take a different route because I reckon Joe Biden, Joe Biden's been kidnapped. Like, there was always the idea that George W. Bush and then uh, Jeb Bush never actually wanted to run for presidency. This is the most obvious one I can think of. Like, this is a guy that just does not want to be president. He's, like, been three or four times telling people individually, if you want this, then don't vote for me. Yeah. He's telling, calling someone a lying-faced pony soldier. And then he also straight-up called a guy fat and then challenged him to a push-up contest. Now, he knows, I reckon he's been captured. He doesn't want to be president. Yeah. He knows he can't say on a debate stage, don't vote for me, I don't want to be here, because it aroused too many suspicions. So he's got to individually go around telling people, don't vote for me, don't vote for me, don't vote for me. And a few of them are caught, caught up by the media. Oh, I've got a couple of points to make about that. So are you, as part of your wider theory, are you saying yes or no, you think George Bush was kidnapped into being president twice. I haven't thought this one too far through. <laughs> I mean, like, the George W. Bush and then Jeb Bush, I mean, it was kind of obvious that they never really wanted to be president at points in the campaign. At points in the stories campaign. that we've heard since. It's kind of obvious George yeah. Bush didn't want to be president. Well, I'm the king of mayor, but, like, there was always the I'll, suspicions. I'll give you Jeb Bush, because that is definitely a very sad Wasn't man. there that story that, like, uh, someone emailed him about the high school football coach yeah. at their alma mater when he responded back in 40 seconds yeah. in the middle of a campaign? Yeah. Tell me that guy wants to be there? Yeah, well, I, well, as I said, I'll give you Jeb Bush, but I don't know about George Bush, but is this not just Joe Biden trying to get cut through, you know? We're talking about it in Australia. Yeah. He's trying to see, show us he's not a company man. He's, a, you know, he's one of us. I, again, one of us is a collect, like I've never heard lying dog face pony soldier. Oh, well, there you go. There we'll, we get, go. we'll look into it more and get back to us next week. All right, Pete. Uh, now, let us cut to the coronavirus cruise ship because there's been a development. There has been a development. The Diamond Princess ship is quarantined off the coast. The Diamond Princess, what a name, is quarantined off the coast of Tokyo for 14 days because of the coronavirus. On the ship are two heroes, James. Jane and A lot of heroes, to be honest. Like, that ship does not seem like the most fun place to be. So anyone in there braving it, doing pretty well by my standards. Yeah, but there's two people that are doing better than everyone else. Yeah. And that's Jane and Dave Binskin from Queensland, a middle-aged couple. Now, they are bored out of their minds. They can only leave the cabin for an hour every four or five days. So that's pretty boring. What do they do? They ordered two bottles of wine from Naked Wine Club that was delivered to them by drone from Tokyo. Now, on Facebook they wrote, because they've got this joint Facebook account, which is a very cute and old person thing to do, and it said, thank God for drones. The Japanese Coast Guard did not know what the F was going on. Hashtag Australia. I, I put in hashtag Australia because this is a very <laughs> I don't think that's a, 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 like something from the Japanese Coast Guard. <laughs> so good on you, Jane and Dave. Could have been heroes this week. Uh, but not quite. And it got me and Bolter thinking, what's the thing you would take on a cruise if you were quarantined for coronavirus? I reckon you go first. Oh, okay. Fair enough then. So, Pete, let me set it up for you. What would you take on this? What, what would you get droned into your cabin? Mate, all I need... To the coronavirus this is, ship. This is a plug for people who live in Melbourne's inner north, is a Juanita Peaches fried chicken burger with fries. I've already got my phone right. I thought you were going to say pork steak. No, nah, I thought pork, you were going to say. Pork I don't steak. mind a pork steak, but this is my go-to on a Sunday night when I'm hungover. <laughs> and um, obviously, I can't. Like, I've got my phone because that's how I can order it. So I've already got my yep. phone. So you don't say your phone, but that's what I would get. Fair enough. One of the peaches. Check it out. I bet you they love the IPA. All right. Uh, okay, my one. Yep. The Hoodwinker Sunfish. What is that? The Hoodwinker Sunfish. That's not a thing. Now, uh, see, look, I want to get out of this ship. If I'm oh, there, I want to get out. This what? I want to get out of this ship. Okay. Not, not this podcast. I want to get out of this ship. Yep. Now, if I order a jetpack, but I'm quarantined. 
So if I yeah. order a jetpack or 15 bed sheets that I can tie together, way too obvious. They'll just say, you can't get this. Yeah. But if I order this fish, I reckon I've thrown them off enough that they give me it. Now, then I rig up my bed to make it look like I've gone to, gone to sleep, but the fish is in there. Then I just wait because eventually the fish is going to smell so bad that the, jet, the crew workers on the ship are going to go, we've got to get rid of this fish. It's rotting. You, what? you have a question already. Is the fish in the bed? Just stay with me. Okay. The fish is I'm- on the floor. <laughs> Okay, I'm just on the floor. I should point out at this point, this uh, the what is it? The hoodwinker sunfish can grow to two point four meters long. Okay, now they want to get rid of this fish. It's starting to smell. Yeah. They come in. I'm asleep. They can't wake me. They just drag the fish out and they go, "How are we going to get rid of this fish?" Now we can throw it out, or that's you know, it's two point four meter fish. That's annoying. Why don't we just throw it over back over the ocean where it can just be with the other fish? They throw it over. Where am I? I'm in the fish. I get out of the fish. I swim to safety. I swim to freedom. How long were you in the fish for? Probably two days. <laughs> so like, like, it's an ideas factory, okay? Yeah, okay. Look, I mean... It gets, me out the sh- it gets me off the ship. The jetpack would be too obvious. I'm probably just going to stick with my burger, to be honest. All right, but fair enough. Let uh, me know how you well, go with that yeah. fish, mate. Well, that's 10 minutes of enjoyment, then you're back on the cruise ship. <laughs> this is a plan for freedom. Just order another one. All right. Uh, now, Oscars this season... Now, Peter Gregory, not a man across pop culture, I would say. Well, I'm not across movies. Not across movies. Uh, I'll give you that. And with Parasite winning Best Picture, you were starting to get a little concerned that maybe you'd be caught out as someone that doesn't watch a whole lot of movies Mm. and hasn't seen Best Picture. Yeah, I mean, we say it on to thousands of people every week, but like, yeah. (laughs) But among your friends. Uh, You want to be impressive. You want to sound like you're a man of the world. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give Peter Gregory the guide to – pretending that you've watched Parasite. Yeah, that's right. Any listeners out there who aren't big movie buffs either. Yes. Uh, So if you do want to watch Parasite and you don't want spoilers, I'd tune out now because it's about to get a little spoilery. They're mild spoilers, aren't they? Mild spoilers. I won't get away too much, but if you do, because I recommend going into this not knowing anything about the film, which is how I went about it, then I would tune out now, personally. What is Parasite? So Parasite won Best Picture. Okay, yeah. Parasite won Best Picture. That's why we're doing this. <laughs> you may have heard that <laughs> with a cursory look at the news. Yeah. All right, so... Parasite's a movie, you're saying. So, and you don't intend on seeing it. Oh, I, I don't know. No. I don't know why I don't <laughs> just say movies. No. It just, just say no, because you're not going to. <laughs> yeah, probably not. All right, fair enough. Uh, now, I saw it... I'll say it. I'll say it. In the interest of uh, transparency on this podcast, I saw it by myself in cinemas. Mm-hmm. Underrated experience. I haven't done it for a while, because the last time I did... It was like six years ago or so. You don't have to justify yourself to us. No, mate. just this is a good story. So six years ago, go to the cinemas by myself. It's like this family holiday through New Zealand and I just needed a bit of me time. <laughs> so go to the cinemas and I was like, is this weird? Seems a bit weird. I'll be fine. I sit down behind this group of teens and the second I sit down, just someone goes, that guy's sitting here by himself. That's so weird. Legit story. And then uh, when I saw Parasite by myself, I sat down next to a group of teens. Flashback city. <laughs> I was nervous. but That's nowhere near the weirdest thing about you. Nowhere near. But all right. So first off, deserving Best Picture winner, I'll say it. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen all of them, but it was a two-horse race between that and 1917. Parasite clearly wins. So here's the plot, so just so you get a taste of the plot. So you've got this dirt poor Korean family. Their son gets hooked up with a job teaching this rich family's daughter English. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, they con the mum of the fam- of the rich family into hiring his sister as an art therapist for the son of the rich family. What era? Uh, modern day. Okay. And uh, they don't tell them that they're brother and sister and that they just think they're two different people. Then they start to get other people around the house fired to hook dad up with a job and then mum up with a job. Okay. Yep. And then the lies start getting a little suffocating. Now, is this starting to sound like a film you might see? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Give me something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All awesome. Right. Okay. Uh, now, here's how you can get away with saying, it, saying that you've seen it until you've actually seen it. Now, if someone says, dude, what do you reckon of Parasite? Hmm. Instead of saying, like, you know, haven't seen it, you could just say, society sucks, dude. Basically, the idea of the film. That, that's, how you, that's how you get away with it. Now, it's a bit defeatist and fake because stop. you don't think society sucks. Well, I think society is a vague approximation of a meritocracy. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm impressed. Uh, yeah. It should throw people off the scent. You haven't seen it. So if you do feel like throwing down, if you do feel like saying that, you can always say, okay, but now do a sequel about Parasite with a Korean family from the 1950s trying to get in on the poor family's life because life is getting better. Yeah. So you could say that. Sorry, run that problem again, please. So you could say, why don't they do a sequel where if Korean fam- poor Korean family from the 1950s tries to get in the, on the modern-day Korean family's life now. Oh, okay. Because it's a whole thing about class struggle and capitalism. Yep. But, you know, life is better than it used to be. Uh, and then the third one you could say is the old housekeeper wasn't that bad. If you just say that, I reckon you could get away with it. Old housekeeper wasn't that bad? Yeah. People that have seen the movie know what I'm talking about. The old housekeeper. If we're talking about how, you know, all poor people... Uh, are resentful of the rich and class cannot coexist. Just say the old housekeeper wasn't that bad. What if someone says why? Do you think that freak out? Run away. <laughs> go to the go to the bar. Yeah. Okay. Just, just say what you did earlier about meritocracy. Merit- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how you do it. Okay. All right. Uh, so anyway, is this something you'd want to say? Uh potentially. How does it end? Are we going full spoilers? I don't know. Do you yeah. want? Do you actually want to know? Well, I mean, so all I know so far is that they've sacked a couple of people yeah. and they're trying to get more the jobs. The lies start to get a bit strangulation. How about I tell you offside because we do have people behind the tech desk that I definitely want to see Parasite. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, that is it for the show this week, but yeah. you want to plug an internship. I want to plug the internship that is you would want to do if you listen to this podcast. James Patterson, Senator for Victoria. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Great man. Probably be Prime Minister one day. I don't know. Uh, is doing internships. If you want to know more, just go to find him on Facebook, Senator James Patterson. All right, cool. That is it for our show this week. So thank you to all of you for listening. Make sure you're telling friends and family about the show. Make sure if you are listening through iTunes, you're leaving that five-star review for us. Uh, we're also available on YouTube and Facebook, so go to Generation Liberty YouTube. And speaking of Generation Liberty, if you are a young person out there, if you do want to get involved in what the IPA is doing and what Generation Liberty is doing mm. and join the com- network of people young and care about freedom, uh, head on over to ipa.org.au slash join or like the Generation Liberty Facebook page or the YouTube channel or uh, the Instagram. Yeah. yeah. It's like 10 bucks or something, 20 bucks. Fantastic. Like 10 that, minutes work on a Sunday. Absolute value. In hospitality. That is incredible value. All right, that is it for the show. See you guys next week. Thanks all. See ya.